Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow, great to see you again. Critics agree, Loki season two is marvelous, great, and it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two, now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. You are listening to Absent Minded. Brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com Hello and welcome to episode 1, season 5 of Absent Minded. It's Patrick Bexel and I'm joined by the ever-present Matt Drake over in New Brunswick. Yes sir, episode 1, season 5. Where'd the time go? Yeah, exactly, it's, it's incredible and... Uh, I mean, like we had some sort of podcast that we tossed out every now and then before that as well, but like organized, this is season five, uh, really interesting. It's going to be a hell of a season, maybe not the way we want it to be, but uh, <laughs> it seems I don't like... think like it, the, the, the good news there is like based on projections right now, people have them as potentially being the third worst team in the league, which once again, puts you in the draft lottery, which again, you know, you, you wouldn't have the best odds at that point, but you, you got a shot at Connor Bedard. You got a shot maybe at Matt Vimichkov. I mean, yeah, you, you got a shot is. at somebody very good. It's a very strong draft. So, I mean, if this is a bad season, I think that's not the worst thing for us, right? Uh, this is the top-end season. The, uh, the the draft we just had was a depth season. This is a top-end season. So, yeah. so wouldn't be the worst, but uh, it might give us even more gray hairs than uh, we're used to. But let's start with with what's been trans- happening the last couple of days anyway. Uh, transpiring was the word I was looking for, obviously. Uh, free agency so far, Matt. What's your reaction? Uh, pretty underwhelming on, on the Habs side. But given some of the deals that you're seeing out there, like there's been a few people that have been overpaid. I'm kind of glad that they weren't going out and, and really shopping for players because, like you mentioned, we just talked about it, right? Next season's not supposed to be a great one. This isn't the year for you to go out and try to make any big signings. So, you know, what do we got? Basically just the AHL signings, right? Indeed. And and uh, we, we have seen these payments. Uh, Johnny Hockey was, was rumored to have tossed down 10 mil uh, in order mm. to go to, to Columbus. I'm not sure how, how true that rumor is, but there's been... Obviously, for play, so for very good players, there's been a lot of money tossed out. But there's also been a little bit of a toss out, like the normal ones that where Montreal would be involved with the prior um, management. Um, you give this old, experienced guy four million for four years, and the last two years is going to be bonkers in many ways. Like you, you mm. don't want them, and it's tough to get rid of. And we have this person that is tough to get rid of right now and we've seen other teams give up players for nothing or even paying to take them off them mm. 
in many ways. So, so I'm really happy with the fact that Montreal hasn't really gone out and done an all-in and, and trying to shorten this revamp or, or how we want to put it. But in some, in, for, for the person that is Jeff Petrie, I feel sorry because he obviously doesn't want to be part of, of, of I would assume, Canada rather than Montreal in general. Uh, uh, but uh, you also have to, to, to see what the management is doing. They're saying we're not going to give him away for free, even if everyone knows that he's got wants to leave. And it might be smarter to shop him around the trade deadline again. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at especially the, the teams that are ready to compete are the ones that are paying to get rid of contracts, right? You saw the Leafs do it. Uh, you even saw the Senators do it. Um, you you Vegas saw it. Vegas give away Max Pacioretty for nothing. I mean, I don't think that the Montreal Canadiens are in a position to do that, right? And what would it do if you did? All it would do is it would free up that salary, and then you're going to spend that salary on someone. And again, when I look at some of the deals that were given out this year, like Ben Chirac got $4.75 million per year AAV for four years in Detroit. That is a ridiculous overpay. How good does that trade look for Kent Hughes now, going back to the fact that he got a whole bevy of assets, including a first-round pick next year for Ben Sherratt, and now Ben Sherratt's not, not even on the Florida Panthers anymore, and he's getting overpaid by a completely different team. So what would you do if you did get rid of Jeff Petrie? Let's say you went to Detroit and you said, okay, we'll give him to you for free. Future considerations seems to be the most popular trade piece in the NHL right now. What would you do with that money? Are you going to go out and overpay a Ben Sherratt? I mean, there's not a whole lot left on the market other than John Klingberg, who hasn't signed yet, apparently. I just don't think that for Montreal, it makes sense to part ways with a legitimate asset in this current market where people are paying to get rid of players. Like you said, the deadline might be a better time. I think for sure there's going to be at least a few teams that are going to be kind of desperate around deadline time to add a legitimate, you know, top four ready defenseman to their to their pool. And I think at that point you might get a better price because in this market, people are paying to get rid of contracts, wait until the market turns a little bit, which I think it should before the deadline. Indeed. And, and you might need Jeff Petrie there because there are a couple of new kids coming into the team as well. Uh, Gula Norlander, um, Harris, you know, that there are a few of them coming in and they are going to need some calm, presence it might not be the most exciting play for Jeff Petrie but uh, on the other hand um, for Montreal they, they are there to look what's best for the club not what's best for the individual player even if you obviously need to take the player into consideration as well because we all been there we haven't really been happy at our jobs and we don't do the job perfectly at that time yeah, yeah I mean I, I think Kent Hughes, his messaging has been really great. He said, we're going to try to accommodate Jeff Petrie, but we got to find a deal that's right for the Montreal Canadiens. And I think that's the issue is that right now, because in the market, like if you look again, let's go back to the Pacioretty thing, right? Vegas gave Pacioretty away for nothing just so they could clear out cap space because they had to, right? If that's the market right now, then any deal that he's trying to strike with another team, they're going to be going and they're going to be pointing to other deals around the league. And they're going to be saying, well, look what happened here. Look what happened here. You want us to take this salary? You're going to have to give us something to take this salary. And he's going, well, no, I, I don't have to do that. Um, because what is the cap space going to do for Montreal? Again, you could go out, you could overpay somebody else that's currently sitting as a free agent on the market, or you could just play the year with 
free cap space and not get anything for your asset. I mean, again, I think the market will turn by a deadline time and that's going to be the better time to move them. I mean, it obviously- be, It could also be um, a market around the start of the season uh, where injuries or you've seen that some players that you thought was going to be around can't really make it. They're not as good anymore or hasn't reached the potential that I thought you thought they would. So, so there are two sort of bigger- uh, days coming up now when free agency has sort of died down and we're going into the summer doldrums of the NHL. Um, obviously, P.K. Subban is out there as well. And mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to mention to Mark Bergevin and, and say that he traded Subban at a peak. He traded Pacioretty at a peak. So, so uh, there are these things that, you know, will go on and, and uh, he might not have been the best at at any given time, but he's been very good with some of the big trades. Yeah, I would. Honestly, I, I tweeted it out the other day. Um, you you got to give him a bit of a shout out, man. As much as I was not a big fan of uh, Bergevin, his ability in some of those trades was bar none. I mean, particularly the Pacioretty trade, uh, getting Nick Suzuki and now Pacioretty is being given away for absolutely nothing. And you're 100% right. The Subban trade, same deal, right? The, he got a better return for Subban than Nashville did. And now New Jersey, um, who didn't give up a whole lot to get Subban in the first place, <clears throat> they're not even signing him. I will say this, though. If they can find a trade before the season for Jeff Petrie, and it's the right trade that gets them some assets and frees up some cap space, I would be 100% on board bringing in P.K. Subban if he's willing, and only if he's willing, to sign a team-friendly deal. A one-year deal for a low AAV. You can't give him term and dollar because you you don't want to lock yourself in with a guy who's over thirty. When, as you mentioned, we've got a lot of young defensemen coming up. But at the same time, you do need that steady presence, right? So if you can find the right deal for for Jeff Petrie, I would be very interested in bringing back PK Subban. I don't think he's going to cost a lot, and I think he'd probably be open to a one-year deal. In which case, he'd have a chance to prove himself either to Montreal or somebody else in in the league that he deserves another contract. So it's and an option that's out him. there, but even you might toss yeah, him they, at the deadline again. They might toss him at the deadline again as well. Right. It's it's, there's a lot of options that would open up for you, but I think, you know, that is something that me as, as a fan of PK Subban, I, I was a big fan of his when he was here in Montreal, I would like to see it just for my own purposes. So I'm a little bit selfish on that front, to be honest. But um, again, I think it opens up a lot of options for you. But the thing is, in order for that to happen, they probably have to find a deal for Petrie first. And it doesn't seem like that's going to materialize yet. Like you said, maybe at the start of the season, or we might be waiting until the deadline. So, And, and I think Dallas is a little bit at the same hint with Carl Klingberg as well. When they don't really know what, I mean, like obviously he's approached free, free agency, but there's been so many contracts around, so there's not much money left for, for anyone to bring him on. And he obviously wants term. Yeah. And he wants the, term and dollar, right? Yeah. He wants, he wants to be paid like a top defenseman and he probably deserves it. Um, but again, like where, where are you going to get that? Right. There's uh, especially if, if I was Klingberg and I was looking at, you know, Ben Sherratt's AAV at 4.75, I'd be like, okay, so what am I worth? 10? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, Montreal did sign some players. Anthony Richards always have Richard on the on the uh, on the rocket, right? Uh, Mitchell Stevens and I'm stoked with Madison Bowie, but 
he spelled Bowie the wrong way. Otherwise, you would have mm. the intro song, you know, Let's Dance or or whatever you want on on when when he's on the ice. But also uh, they extended Belsel, Teasdale, and Schnarr. And I've actually forgotten that Schnarr was a was a deadline acquisition. Yeah, out of all those, I mean, the one that, that I like the most is Teasdale. I'm a big Teasdale fan. Um, I, you, you know, I watch a lot of Q and uh, I watched him quite a bit when he was still there as well. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I think injuries have kind of derailed him a little bit, but he has an outside chance of eventually becoming like a bottom six player for the Montreal Canadiens. So um, if he can stay healthy this year, you know, you might even see him get a couple of games with the Habs at some point if injuries happen. So I, I, I like what they've done. I like that they're beefing up the AHL team. I like that they're going to have a chance to compete a little bit again. And um, yeah, uh, but for me, the, the number one, the, the one that I like the most is Teasdale. I, I like that they're keeping him around. I really do believe in him, uh, you know, carving himself out a bottom six role at some point. Um, and the two signings that were expected was the two first rounders, Juraj um, Slavkovsky and uh, Meshar. Um Interesting things. There's been a lot of talk about where they will play, even from the management and even from themselves. Um, and and it show. I, I think for for both of them, it shows um, maturity, because they're they're both looking at you know there are options, and obviously there are places we want to play, but there are also options where where what is best for for me to develop as well, and and. Personally, I think the fact that both the team and Slavkovsky has mentioned AHL is positive. Well, they've both played against men. So I think that the the standing belief is that they will continue to play against men. Either you let them go and, um, and play again in Europe. Slavkovsky could hypothetically go back to the Liga. Um, I think we were talking about it before, right? And we're not too sure what the contract status is for Meshar. Uh, in Slovakia, but he could potentially get himself a contract in Europe as well. I think the likelihood is they will both get an opportunity in the NHL early on and, and maybe down to the AHL. Um, we do know that they both do have CHL rights. So Uri Slavkovsky, his rights are held by the Erie Otters and Meshar, his rights are held by the Kitchener Rangers. Erie was not a great team last year. Um, Kitchener was not a great team either i think if either of them were to go down there though it's a step down in competition for them you know slavkovsky was playing at the olympics and the world championships i don't think that sending him to the chl is a fantastic idea of course it'd be fun to watch him go there and dominate he's a big dude that has played against men that has played big games in big tournaments it would be interesting big in those games as well and come up big in those games too it would be interesting to watch him go down there and see like, you know, can he score 200 points? Right. But what is the benefit to his development? I think for him having already played against men, I think continuing to play against men is the best thing to do. So I think really they need to look at three avenues. Do we send him back to Europe? Do we keep him here? And if we keep him here, is it AHL or is it NHL? I think both of them will start in the NHL though. I think we're going to see at least, you know, uh, a nine games from both of them before they go anywhere. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, on the other side here. Uh, I think Europe is hard for both of them. I think uh, um, for me, Slavkovsky is, is the decision between NHL and AHL, and I think Meshar is OHL and AHL. Um, that's how I see it. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be against having both of them in Montreal. Uh, but 
I could see uh, Meshar playing in the A and and uh, Flopkovsky in the end. It's 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 uh, it's that bit. But if you can get those two also to share an apartment and and be comfortable and not having that homesickness and and all that stuff that comes around with it, um, I can see the benefit of that. And then if Meshar has an unbelievable season in the AHL, I could also see that you know he is easy to bring up. On the other hand, I spoke with uh, uh, Mate uh, from from McKean's and. Uh, he, he's the sc- a Slovak scout for McKean's and uh, you know he said OHL is probably the go way to go for for Meshar. I know Meshar has also said I played against men and I want to continue to do that and and I can see that logic in a way. There's always always this talk as well about you know different drink sizes and everything and I think just less, that's lazy. I think if you practice on one drink size two times a day, it's going to take what two day two weeks to to get up to speed maybe. I think it's. It, I think it's tougher for for many to swap between rink sizes, and that's what Slavkovsky has done in Liga. Because yeah, Liga and... has, has you know they're allowed to have a home home ice advantage in many ways, including the size of the rink. I can't speak for um, professional hockey players, right? I never played professional, but when I was a kid, I played a lot of competitive hockey, and we would switch rinks, right? Sometimes there was times where I would have to go and play on big ice. Versus playing on small ice. I found going from small ice to big ice was a lot tougher than going from big ice to small ice. Switching back and forth constantly is, is a challenge for anybody. Mm. Right. Um, especially when you get to that big ice, the thing is, if you're used to having those close quarters, you know, your, your entire checking game changes, the angles that you take change, they become bigger that you have to anticipate things a little bit further in advance on the big ice. Whereas on the small ice, you know, I kind of have a good idea of where somebody's going to be and where they can go from there. I think keeping them on the small ice instead of sending them back to the big ice is going to be better because yes, I do. I, I agree with you hundred percent. I think they'll adjust to the small ice quicker, but then sending them back to big ice is going to make them have to go readjust their games. And then you're going to see like, maybe like if, if you do that, don't expect them to necessarily have the production that they were getting on the small ice. Right. Especially if you go to a, a, a league like Liga, uh, which is very low scoring and, and system played in many ways, where it, it, it will take time to, to score in, under those circumstances. I think, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think as I said, I, I'm, you, know, you put them in an apartment with, uh, uh, or, or near some older gentleman in, 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 the, in the organization, I can swoop in and check on them every now and then. And they seem like good kids, so I'm mm-hmm. not that worried. But and and then you can alternate between AHL and NHL as much as you want. I'm not sure that um, Meshar will be on the eyes for the home opener, as an example. Uh, he might be in the stands and get the spotlight and, and all that. But uh, I, I don't see him play in the NHL. I really don't. I, I, I'm not that convinced that he's ready for that yet. Uh, well, I'd love to be proven wrong. I'm not going to say that. So, so, but it also depends on the team that Montreal is going to ice. The OHL is not a bad landing spot for Meshar. It's not. I'm not trying to say like that he's taking a step down in competition in a major way. I think I don't think the Slovakian men's league is going to be that far ahead of Canadian junior. It's it's still men though, right? So if he does go to Kitchener, we're looking for big production. 
right? We would be expecting a pretty significant bump. You're going from playing against men to playing against people your own age. Uh, the problem there is Kitchener was not that great last year. They finished, what, seventh, I think, uh, in their conference. So they made the playoffs, uh, but they were sellers at the deadline. They sold Arbor Jacki to the Hamilton Bulldogs mm-hmm. to get draft picks. So they're a team that's almost kind of not necessarily rebuilding, but retooling. Like, cause you, you don't have like the timeline in junior is not the same as it is in the NHL. So you don't do necessarily a rebuild. You do a bit of a retool. You try to stack draft picks. You draft a bunch of young players out of Bantam, and then you try to get better as quickly as possible. Adding somebody like Meshar who has professional hockey experience would be a really good way for them to potentially take that next step and try to get into the top three, top four of the division mm. uh, or the conference rather. I just don't know because they have a few people that are, on last year, they were a team with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven rookies on it. Um, just among their forwards, they had another two rookies on defense as well. So nine rookies total on your squad. They might be better next year, but they might also not be better next year. They're still they still got to wait and see how those draft picks play out that they've got. I just wonder what could we legitimately expect from Meshar on a team like that. Let's say they're middle of the road in the OHL. They finish somewhere around, I don't know, fifth, sixth in their division or their conference. How much can we expect from Meshar, right? How much can he he elevate that team? In some ways, you're just hoping for him to get traded into a better team for for a long (laughs) playoff run. (laughs) But uh, speaking about divisions, speaking about conferences, um, what's up with the Atlantic division? Because things are happening. There, There are some, I mean, let's start with the most obvious one, Ottawa. It's going all in, what it seems. Yeah, it's like, you know, Eugene Melnick passes away and his daughters take over. And it's like they opened up the faucet for Pierre Derion. They were like, okay, you can spend some money. And you see the difference. Like, I mean, there's been a lot of chatter about it online where people are like trying to take away credit from them or give them too much credit. It's like at the end of the day, these two college girls took over the team. And what they did was they turned on the faucet. You got to give them credit for that, that they actually just, you know, trusted their general manager and said, hey, we're going to let you spend some money this offseason. And the results, I think everybody would agree, Ottawa is going to be good next year. I tweeted this out and I I don't know if this will happen. Right. So I'm not predicting it, but I think it's possible that they finish ahead of Toronto. They got badly that Toronto Toronto got worse. Right. (laughs) Toronto paid to get worse. Right. Let's face it. Jack Campbell. Um. I, I think obviously they couldn't sign that contract that Edmonton did. They couldn't give him that money, but Jack Campbell would have been a better option. I think overall throughout the course of the regular season and even the playoffs than what they now have. Uh, I don't think Samsonov can do what Jack Campbell does. And I really don't think that Matt Murray can do what Jack Campbell does. So I do agree with the Leafs in terms of why they needed to get Matt Murray, but I just, don't agree with the who and i think when you look at ottawa they have a chance of finishing ahead of toronto they added goal scorers they don't have an austin matthews but they have an alex de right alex de 40 goal scorer i think there's a chance that they actually finish ahead of toronto and that to me just as a montreal canadians fan uh you know as an outsider would be hilarious because of course i don't like either team but it would be very funny to me if ottawa managed to to finish ahead of toronto and I think it's possible. I mean, like Ottawa is is, is uh, the main team going up, and but we have one team really trading down a little bit, and Montreal sits on their first um, round uh, 
uh, draft pick next year, and that's Florida. What's going on there? I have no idea. I mean, they kind of went all in last year, right? Get, giving up as much as they gave up for Ben Sherratt, that was kind of, I think, that was their last Hoorah. gasping <laughs> breath of trying to get a Stanley Cup. I think you're going to see them on a downtrend now, and I think it's going to start this year. And I pray that it starts this year because, Lord, if that first over that first round pick that they gave us ends up being a lottery pick, man, what a good trade that's going to end up being for the Montreal Canadiens and moving Ben Chirac. Yeah, but even if they miss the playoffs, it's it's going to be, you know, uh, big. And, yeah, and they I won't. Can, I can see um, Florida in, in, in the regard also that if it starts to go peer-shaped, they can be sellers at the deadline and then it will go really south fast. It could. It, it could because, like... <laughs> If they sell at the de- like I don't see them selling at the deadline though, is the problem because they've already gone all in. So this isn't the year where you sell at the deadline because you don't have a first overall pick or a first round pick. So unless you're adding somebody else's first round pick to kind of get back what you lost, I don't see it. I don't see them selling. I see if anything, I see them doing desperation ads and they're going to put themselves in an even bigger hole that they can't climb out of. And I think their cup window is going to close after this year. Yeah, and, and I, I totally agree with the cup window closing, but I also see might be smart getting more more picks in as much as you can to, to maybe yeah. turn that re, retool in, rebuild into a retool rather than... Because they have a core that is really good with Barkov leading them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting. Um, we, we all know Marshawn will sign with Boston. But if you look at it, it's Tampa is, is going strong, as always, more or less, as we used to say. Uh, Toronto will probably be up there. Ottawa is, is going for a, for, a, for a playoff spot, it seems. Florida is hanging on uh, and being challenged a little bit, I think, for, from both. And, and I've seen two guys that are probably going to go straight into to Red Wings, Söderblom uh, uh, and, and uh, Edvinson. Uh, big guys. One of them might actually become rookie of the year this year again. Uh, for, for so they will uh, sweep it up for another year after more excited at it this year could really happen. Um, it's it's interesting, and they went sort of in as well. Uh, they they pushed. I think they pushed up towards the playoff spot rather than going all in because they have this young core that is starting to, to, to really gel together. And, and it would be, that's a team I will look forward to actually watching uh, next year. Yeah. I mean, I, I clown on Detroit a little bit for the, uh, the Sherratt signing. I really think that's a bad overpay, but you look at their roster overall. I, I think that's, they, they have, they have a chance. Um, I think for them, the home is probably going to be end up being a, like a wild card position, mm-hmm. but you know, I wouldn't sleep on them in the playoffs. They're they're young up front. They definitely have a lot of talent, and they could do some damage in the playoffs, right? They got goaltending too. I really like Nedeljkovic. Um, I, I I think that he's going to end up taking over the starting job there on a permanent basis, and he's going to do really well. Um, could be wrong about that, but look, they they've got a solid team. Like their their rebuilds coming along. I just think they they overpaid on Ben Sherratt. I think they're going to regret that. I think that contract might be the one that holds them back in the short term, but. 
I don't think it'll prevent them from getting into the playoffs. I think they have a very good chance of getting in this year. If not this year, then uh, next year they, they could probably get in. Yeah. And even Buffalo is taking a um, small step forward. We know that. So Small ones. Uh, yeah, but uh, still forward rather than backwards. Uh, they sort of have to as well because some of their players will have to start looking for other other clubs uh, or other teams uh, sooner rather than later if it comes to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Montreal is going to end up at the bottom of that uh, division again. I think so too. I think the only way that that doesn't happen, the only way that they're not in the bottom of that division is if Carey Price shows up on day one and does Carey Price things all season long. They're just not there yet. They're, they're, they're not a playoff team yet. They sold off a lot of assets. Um, you, you can't expect a kid in your eyes, Slavkovsky, to show up and, and carry you to the playoffs. The only person that can carry this team to a playoff spot is Carey Price. And with this team, that's a Herculean task. I mean, you would need, you know, the, the Vesna Hart Trophy winning Carey Price to, to get into a wild card spot. So is that going to happen? Let's face it, probably and almost invariably not. Never say never, but mm, probably never, right? We would need a Herculean performance from him, and it's just we don't even know if he's going to be ready. So I think we got to prepare ourselves for, yeah, uh, probably last place in that division. But then again, as, as we mentioned right off the top of the podcast, right, that's good news for Montreal because it's a very top-heavy um, and star power draft coming up in 2023, you got a chance to add, you know, a franchise transforming player in that draft. So finishing in the bottom of the division and finishing, you know, in the bottom three or the bottom five is not the worst thing that could happen to this team. Indeed. And there we have it. Matt is going to be back with a full season of bottom six minutes it's going to be terrible bottom six minutes but we're going to see them anyway <laughs> <laughs> or listen to them anyway at least uh thank you guys for i'll try listening. not i'll try not to fire any coaches you know early on in the season we'll try to save that until till later or hopefully save it and not do it at all who knows indeed let's uh we we, we like what we have seen from san louis right now and uh be interesting to see whom he brings in for his uh, uh assistant coaches roles uh, looking forward though we will be back if something breaks with uh, Jeff Petrie or, or other signings we'll also be back with uh, and, and then we, we have to start mentioning it now because it's going to be a list of about 50 people but the top 25 under 25 is coming up and uh, we look forward to participate with the community all through that uh, time as well thank you guys for listening For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.